Coming up on HIGMT, I backpedal just a bit regarding the now available third row seating in the Model Y, Tesla reduces the cost of an upgraded infotainment unit by 40%, and Sandy Monroe from Monroe Live has a new Tesla Model 3 in the garage and he's happy with what he is seeing. Welcome to How I Got My Tesla, the podcast of Indeterminate Like for Saturday, January 23rd, 2021, episode 26 in Ottawa, Ontario. I'm Matt Wilson. Let's start off with a few Tesla things you should know. Well, I must admit I was a bit surprised by the InsideEVs.com articles that referred to the third row seating that is now available for the Model Y. In episode 24, I suspected that the lack of legroom in the third row would have relegated its use to kids, but after watching the link videos in the articles, I must admit that I was wrong. There's actually more legroom than I expected, as long as you're not overly tall. That third row might actually be usable for some adults, at least for short trips. The second row can actually move forward just a bit, around 6 inches, to allow for additional space for the third row occupants. And the $4,000 third row option adds two seats to the Model Y, along with integrated headrest, cup holders, and charge points in the third row. The third row is also large enough to permit child seat installations, so if you're ever wondering about the available space in the third row seating in the Model Y, definitely check out the links in the show notes below. And like I said previously, I was uh, taken by surprise with the actual amount of room that's available in the third row. Uh, I'm around 6'4", so there's no way that I would actually be able to sit in there comfortably. But uh, from the articles and the videos that I'm seeing, I think if you are uh, less than 6 feet tall, you might be able to squeeze yourself into the third row without any huge issue. Although spending any uh, length of time back in the third row is... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> would probably be a little bit of a cramp uh, if you're definitely of the taller persuasion. So, um, yeah, this is really neat to, to see that there is a, a seven-seat uh, option available for the Model Y. So uh, congratulations to Tesla for getting that figured out. Although I could have sworn that uh, with Sandy Monroe's teardown uh, earlier last spring that maybe he was thinking that the third row would actually be rear uh, rear facing uh, as in out towards the back of the car but uh, with the available room that is now available with the uh, second row seating moving forward about six inches uh, I guess it makes sense to actually have them all facing the same direction towards the front of the vehicle. Despite the coronavirus shutdown in early 2020, Tesla was able to deliver just shy of 500,000 electric vehicles. According to CNET's The Roadshow, much of Tesla's success can be attributed to the Model Y. In fact, over half of the registered electric vehicles in California were for the Model Y. Conversely, sales of the Model 3 were down 34% year-over-year in California, and this matches the overall trend in the automotive industries with purchasers leaning towards crossover SUVs over traditional sedans. That said, with a combined production of just under 164,000 Model 3s and Model Ys, it is safe to say that both models are contributing heavily to the overall success of Tesla in 2020. Despite the recent $1,000 price reduction for the media unit upgrade for the Model S and Model X, owners might be better off waiting for Tesla to be forced to upgrade the units by the National Highway Traffic and Safety Administration. Electric.co has noted that NHTSA has been looking into possible issues with the media unit and the embedded multimedia card memory where owners have experienced uh, issues such as less responsive touchscreen, longer boot-ups, Uh, freezing screens, or even a total failure of the MCU unit. 
The original infotainment upgrade was around $2,500, and this upgrade would permit many of the newer downloadable features to be available for pre-2018 Model S's and Model X's. Tesla was replacing faulty units under warranty, but for those drivers who are outside of the warranty window were effectively forced to pay for the upgrade themselves. Otherwise, many of the features on the infotainment screen were unavailable and essential vehicle features such as turn signal indicators and defogging were also made available with a defective unit. Still, at a price of around $1,500, that's got to be a bitter pill for drivers to swallow just to get uh, back some of the core features that are needed for the safe operation of the Model S or the Model X. Now, I'm not exactly sure how I feel about this. Uh, $1,500 for the replacement of the uh, rather large infotainment screen from $2,500 is probably uh, a little bit easier of a, like I said, a, a little bit easier for uh, drivers of Model S's and Model X's to have to spend. Uh, but, you know, I find a little bit of an issue that people are having to spend money on the replacement of the infotainment screens not to get the... Um, the new downloadable features, but to actually to operate the vehicle safely. If there is a problem with the embedded um, chipset on the uh, MCU one unit, uh, I would think that it would probably be best that uh, Tesla be picking up the tab for that cost. So I'm not sure what the failure rate of the MCU unit is for uh, Model S's and Model X's, but it certainly is enough that the uh, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration needed to formally take a look and request Tesla uh, start to make arrangements to have these uh, units replaced with something that's not going to be so faulty. So um, because the infotainment screen is so integral with the overall function of the uh, Model S and the Model X, it probably is definitely a safety issue, particularly if you're not able to activate any turn signals or window defroster or defogger options. So um, yeah, this uh, I'm not exactly sure how I feel about this. Uh, it, I know if I ended up having to uh, drive, uh, drive a Model S or a Model X with a faulty uh, infotainment screen uh, bought on by the uh, uh, the the uh, multi meter card uh, memory issue. Um, I don't know. I, I I'd probably be forced to you know spend uh, you know whatever I could to get the vehicle moving again. But um, you know dropping it from twenty five hundred dollars down to uh, fifteen hundred dollars is a step in the right direction. But it would have been nice if they you know, maybe just, uh, you know, went a little bit further and maybe uh, drivers only had to pay for the labor that was required to replace a unit. Even then, you know, I would suspect that even some drivers would not even want to pay that. So um, I guess we'll have to see what happens in the next couple of weeks if uh, NHTSA is going to be uh, formally uh, requesting Tesla to replace these faulty units at their own costs. Sandy from YouTube channel Monroe Live has three more videos this week, and I'll include links in the videos in the show notes below. In episode two of the 2021 Tesla Model 3 reviews, has Sandy looking at some of the curious features from the underside of the vehicle and goes into some of the cost-saving calculations based on basically uh, insignificant parts. In episodes three, we see Sandy scratching his head over the <laughs> over the closing of the frunk and why it's so hard to close property. Turns out there's a very specific way on how to close the frunk, so go figure. Uh, Sandy also takes a look at the Model 3 for a short test drive and compares the ride quality to a BMW and tests the full self-driving features. 
And finally, in episode four this week, Sandy takes a peek at the underside of the hood and takes a close look at the fasteners and how they compare to the Model Y that was looked at in April of 2020. Sandy dives deeper into the Model 3 and really starts to compare the current iteration over the 2018 Model 3 and the 2020 Model Y. And by doing so, Sandy discovers that Tesla has implemented several changes and revisions to those changes throughout the front of the car. And Sandy concludes that Tesla is indeed implementing changes to the vehicles at all stages of production and not waiting for a solid refresh to be released. And Christmas came either early for Tesla or a little bit late, regardless of the timing. Gigafactory Texas now has some really large containers to unload, containers from IDRA or IDRA. Both Tesserati.com and TorqueNews.com have to thank recent drone footage from Joe Tegmeyer and Jeff Roberts as they were able to witness Gigafactory parts being offloaded within the Megapad area. These recent deliveries are just the start of over 200 deliveries required for the eight planned Gigapresses at Gigafactory Texas. Although always planned, actually seeing these components being delivered from across the world is a big accomplishment for Tesla and a clear sign that Tesla is not messing around when it comes to increasing their production capacities for the Model Y and their Cybertruck. Tesla's supplier for Gigafactory Texas water treatment plant appears to have been discreetly exposed. TeslaRD.com has a story in which a recent statement of Canadian water treatment solution provider H2O Innovation Incorporated announced that it had obtained an engineering agreement for a major capital equipment project in the largest electric car manufacturer in the United States, which is happening to be building a plant in Texas. With its contract with Tesla, H2O Innovation will build two reverse osmosis units for Gigafactory Texas, each able to produce around 2,200 cubic meters of water per day. Now, I've not seen a purchase agreement such as this in my experience, but only upon successful completion of the two units will H2O and innovation be paid. Now, I wonder if Tesla is planning to draw water right from the nearby Colorado River and have the two units supplied by H2O innovation to treat the water before use. Now, I did spend a little bit of time looking at the City of Austin GIS data, and I was having a hard time finding out where the closest water source would be for the Gigafactory. So it, I, it might actually be cheaper to treat the water on site rather than constructing the required water main pipe and fixtures. And finally, having the on-site water treatment plant will allow Tesla to ensure that the water that will be required for electric vehicle manufacturing will be at its highest quality and quantity. And while we're talking about Gigafactory Texas, we might as well take a look at some of the drone footage provided to us by Joe Tegmeyer and Jeff Roberts. In Joe Tegmeyer's January 23rd video, he provides us with a more uh, detailed basic layout of the Gigafactory Texas, including approximate timelines of the Model Y and Cybertruck production. Of particular interest are the areas indicated for battery production, the paint shop, casting and stamping areas, and general assembly with body and white areas and final drive unit assembly areas. To the east of the main building, there are areas dedicated to the switchyard and parking. According to Joe's sources, the Model Y production is slated uh, to start at the end of September and Cybertruck is going to be starting production towards the end of November. As I mentioned in my predictions episode a few weeks ago, I'd be very surprised to actually see any mainline production out of Gigafactory Texas this year. Based on my experience, there's just way too much work to be done, and I suspect that the Model Y and Cybertruck production will actually be pushed to 2022. There are lots of progression on the structural steel skeleton of the building. Concrete components over the southeast corner of the building over the stamping plant are just about to complete, including the installation of precast concrete roof panels. 
interior concrete floor slabs within the stamping plant are also progressing. And at the northeast corner of the building, uh, there are more precast concrete components that are being installed over the casting plant, completing the vacant uh, structural chunk from this corner of the building. Pieces of the Gigafactory Texas from Hydra have already been delivered and assembled on site even before the roof is actually in place for this area of the factory. And GOPR work is seemingly to continue in the northwest corner of the Megapad area, but I really do suspect that uh, most of this GOPR work will start to wind down since uh, most of it is now complete. Well, that should pretty much do it for episode 26. If you're looking to purchase a new Tesla and you want 1,000 free supercharging miles, you can feel free to use my referral uh, program link in the show notes below or head on over to ts.la slash matthew40942 uh, according to tesla i don't have any new uh, new friends who have taken uh, advantage of the uh, referral program link other than my friend uh, chatty uh, so thanks chatty for using uh, the link again uh, let's see hashtag for this episode let's try hashtag monroe live and the overall hashtag for this podcast is hashtag H-I-G-M-T. And if you have any feedback for me, then you can throw me an email at howigotmytesla at gmail.com. And as always, you can watch my progress by visiting howigotmytesla.com. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram by simply searching for How I Got My Tesla. So thank you for listening. This podcast is produced by Matt Wilson and hosted by Squarespace. Music for this episode is Cascade by Cubby.